We've been in this series called God With Us or Dwell, God With Us. Um, we started when uh, Matt DiMatteo talked about us being the light, that God is the light, and then he says, you are the light of the world. Last week, we talked uh, about God in a garden, how God created uh, Adam and Eve, and, and we see how uh, that presence of God was lost because of sin. We were eternally separated from God. Uh, people were eternally separated. We, we are born into sin. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to do anything. You're just being born. You're, you and I are born into a sinful, broken world. And today we want to talk about God in a baby. God's perfect rescue plan and timing. Uh, God in a baby. See, here's the thing that you got to see when it comes to God pursuing. Even in the Old Testament, we see we didn't have a time to go into this, but in the time of Moses, God told him, create a tabernacle. Why? Because I want to dwell with you. I want to walk with you. I want to do life with you. Like the way that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, he also wants to walk with you and I. He wants to dwell with us. And in this message, I want you to get the reality and the truth that God came to this earth, fully God, fully man, to dwell with us. And to make a way for us to dwell eternally with him. Now, the, the, the best passage that I believe uh, can help us, there's two passages we want to go to today. The, the first one is John. Now, the, gospel, the Gospels, how many know there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Those are the Gospels. Gospel means good news. And the Gospels are there as windows to, that, that allow us to see who Jesus truly is. And John, out of all the disciples, out of the 12 disciples, John was the apostle that is termed the apostle that Jesus loved. And I don't know if it was his own, because John is the one that wrote this, so John was actually the one that we see that he talks about love a lot. You read the Gospel of John, and you read First and Second and Third John, and you see that the apostle John had this whole concept and truth nailed into his heart, that we are called to love God, and we are called to love others. And the greatest sign of being a, a follower of Jesus is the, when we are able to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love others. That's the sign of being a true disciple of Jesus. And the Apostle John, in chapter 1 of John, the Gospel, verses 1 through 14, we see him connecting. Now, I want you to notice something, how he starts this whole thing. In verse 1 of John, chapter 1, he connects th this whole gospel to the very beginning of time. He connects what we saw last week in Genesis. He connects it to back then and back at that very beginning. Notice the first words that he uses. In the beginning. In the beginning. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the apostle John is writing to people that had heard and had read the, 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 the scriptures. And, and they understood that life came from God. That God is the source of life. That God is the giver of life. That, that in him, 
We live and move and have our being, like the Apostle Paul said. And every disciple that you see that wrote scripture, that God used to write scripture, that we now look at our scripture, the scripture revealed by God, God breathed. What we see is that God is is allowing us to make the connection. So today I want you to make some connections, okay? I want you to make some connections. So let's let's read the, the John chapter one. It says, in the beginning was the word. I want you to notice that in the scriptures, he, he purposely capitalizes the, the word. The word, word, he capitalizes. I want you to notice that. And when he refers to the word, now he's writing to the writers and they're just like, well, the word, capital, they already understood. So look at what it says. In the beginning was the word and the word, capital, was with God and the capital word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You notice what he's doing? He's saying, listen, this Jesus that we're talking, because right now we don't know, it's not been revealed. He hasn't revealed it yet, connect, making the connection. You don't see that until verse 17, where he makes the connection that Jesus is that one person that he's talking about. He's not talking about a, a word itself. He's talking about Jesus himself. And that's why he capitalizes the word. And that's why even in our translation, it's capitalized. It's referring to Jesus. Look at what he says. So he's making the connection that from the beginning, he's always existed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. And, And when it comes to knowing God in a real way, you need to understand that God had to come to this earth to dwell among us, and what he did is he came and clothed himself. He came flesh. Now, isn't that mind-blowing? That God, almighty, all-powerful, all-creator, all-sustainer of life, all-giver of life, is the one that came to this earth, that he humbled himself and became obedient, even to death. For us, he came as a baby. Verse 3 it says, Through him all things were made. So he's the creator. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. If you want to find life, you find it in Jesus. Not only physical life, he's given us physical life. You're alive and breathing. But if you want true eternal life, to live forever in eternity with him, you need to look to Jesus to find that. There is no other place you're going to find life. You could try it in education. You could try it in many different places. You can find it and try to find it in relationships of love. You could try it. And and here's what happens. Every human being is looking outside. We were created for it. It's almost like this void in our life. It's It's like a donut hole in our heart that is missing the most important thing. And if you try to look in anywhere else, I'm going to tell you, you're going down a rabbit trail that is leading you nowhere. You have to look to Jesus. And why do we celebrate Christmas? I believe every year is a great time to reflect on the reality and the truth that from the beginning, God's heart has always been, I am pursuing you. You may be far from God today. You might have been far from God, but God sometimes uses circumstances and situations to what? To get you to look to him, 
to get you and I to look to him. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. He is the one that gives life. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Listen, listen to what he's saying there, that all life is found in Jesus, and he is the light. Why do we use so many lights during Christmas? Because there's something powerful about light. And listen to what it says. We keep reading here. The light shines. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen. From the time of the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, the world turned dark very quickly. Because when God, being the light, is taking out of life itself, of this world, the created world that he created. When you take God out of the picture, it is dark, it is sad, it is broken. There is no hope, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's nothing in life that will satisfy you apart. And the world without God is empty and void. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. Now, it kind of switches, and he's trying to introduce. Because, see, you got to understand that the Gospels are narratives. So, John, purposely, led by the Holy Spirit, is writing this out. And then he says, now, there, is, there was a man. And, and it says in verse 6, from God, whose name, who was sent from God, whose name was John. He came to witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Now, could he be talking about himself there? His name is John? No. He's not talking about himself. In fact, he's kind of an interesting writer because he never wanted to talk about himself. That's when you know that there's true God in the other person's life. You don't want to talk about yourself. You want to talk about him. And you see the Apostle John. So who was he referring that this man that God had sent? He's referring to John the baptizer. John the baptizer was Jesus' cousin, and he sent God. Notice, notice what he says. God sent him. God sent him ahead to prepare the way for who? Jesus, the Messiah, the capital word to, that was coming into this world. He, verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Are you, keeping, are you capturing a picture of God's desire to dwell with us? He came to this earth to be the light that shined in this dark world. Listen, they say that, scholars say that 400 years before Jesus came and all the activity started to happen where Mary got, you know, an angel appeared to Zechariah and Mary. And as you read the Gospels, listen, there was 400 years of silence. Void. Does that kind of not remind you of that, that, that beginning? Everything was void. Everything was empty. Everything was dark apart from God. And God spoke everything into being and brought life. He breathed life. Verse 10, he says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I mean, this is the apostle John declaring I want you to notice something. This is probably the, the saddest verses in, this, in, in my mind in this whole passage is, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So you can know a lot of facts about God. You can know a lot of truth about God. But do you really recognize him for who he is? Do you really recognize him for being the creator of all the earth? the sustainer of life, that from the beginning he has existed and he came to this earth and he humbled himself and he became flesh. And there was always, and we know, because we know the whole story, that he came with a purpose. It was to die on a cross to pay for your sin and my sin. It was the only way that we could have even the potential of living eternally with God. Because God's heart was what? He wants to dwell with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be you to be where he is. I think of John even later on in the passage, John chapter 14. He's telling his disciples, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go. And where I'm going, you cannot come. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, you will have troubles in this life, many troubles, but take heart. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. Listen, he is preparing a place. And why? Because he wants to dwell with us, amen? And even, even through the gospel, we see that why did John write this and why was he led by the Holy Spirit to write it? John 20, 31 says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It summarizes why he wrote this. So that you and I would know without a shadow of a doubt that God is fully God, that Jesus was fully God, fully man, coming to this earth to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and then to rise again with power, overcoming and defeating the enemy of our souls that we were enslaved to. Now, we could stop there, and that would be a great, powerful message. But I wanted to show you something at another passage, because the reality is this. I want you to turn right now to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. The Apostle Paul summarizes this in such a powerful way. God's coming to dwell here on earth among us was God's perfect rescue plan and God's perfect timing. God's coming to dwell here on earth among us was God's perfect rescue plan and God's perfect timing. I want you to talk to you about five important aspects of God's perfect rescue plan. There's five important aspects of God's perfect rescue plan. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There is so much truth in this, these few verses, so much packed truth. And I want you to look at this. The first, the first actually important aspect of God's perfect rescue plan, because really what he was doing, he was on a rescue mission. So the first aspect that we need to understand is this. His rescue plan was at, was at the perfect timing. It was at the perfect timing that Jesus clothed himself in humanity and came to this earth. The Apostle Paul says this in Galatians, verse 4, but when the set time had fully come. When that set time had fully come. Now, when you think about scholars, scholars believe that Jesus coming to the earth uh, here at that moment of time was the perfect time for God to come. Why was that? Because there are two words that are used for time as we study scripture. One is chronos, which means chronological or sequential time as in the clock or calendar. So it's sequential. It keeps ticking away. There's that perfect, there's that word chronos. But there's also another. So when he's talking about the fullness of time, the set time had fully come. Uh, there was this, the scriptures pointed to a specific time. Nobody knew the exact time, but there was a specific time that God had ordained and the, the prophets had spoken into it. Led by the Holy Spirit, they, they were led to speak out, to write out the, 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 the signs of what would happen. And obviously they didn't know the exact time or the exact date, but God was moving. I mean, think about it. The wise men, they were able to follow they were, they were studying it. Somehow, they, they weren't even Israelites. They were, they were from other nations. And God, what, was working in them to move them to it. And so they were looking to the stars. They were looking to creation itself, looking for God. And, and, and guess what happened? They found him. And, and at the perfect time. And I believe it took many, it, it took a long time for them. It would have taken a long time for them to get from where they were from to getting to Jerusalem and then finally seeing the star and seeing Jesus with their own physical eyes. I mean, think about that. A baby not born in the emperor's palace, but born in a manger. How powerful is that? That God came fully God, fully man to this earth in a humble way for that time. There were also the, the Greek language at the time was, was, was what people communicated with, in the culture to communicate. So there was, the world had, had grown, and, and the ability to communicate had, had, had grown as well. Now, they didn't have the internet back then, but they had ways to communicate. Uh, the, the Greeks, for example, were very scholarly. Uh, the, they were very studious. The Romans, for example, had created a, a peace. They had created roads throughout the Roman Empire. I mean, we're talking expanding far into different places where there was no way to get to, and it wasn't easy to get to before. Now there was roads. In fact, my wife and I, we were in Spain uh, uh, a while back, and in Italy, we, we saw parts of the road. And you see still the stones there. I mean, think about it. And so that was Christ mind-blowing to say, man, maybe the Apostle Paul stepped on this stone. I mean, how cool is that? 
that, that, that even Jesus could have, like, you, you see, see what happens? Like, you see God through the, the history. Sometimes we live in America, we think, eh, man, yeah. But when you're physically there thinking, man, this is, I, I was at the Colosseum where they actually were killed followers of Jesus Christ because they stood up for their faith. They were fed to lions. And, and they, they, were, they were thrown into the lion's den and, and they were killed for the sake of they're, they're, they're following Jesus. There's not only the chronos, but there's a kairos, the right or opportune moment when everything comes together. So there was this things happening. God orchestrated the, the happenings of when he would come in, 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 in a powerful way. So God was working on it. God was working on it from way beginning. That was his plan from the very beginning. We think, well, what God, why did you do that? He, he had it planned out that he was coming, he was going to humble, he was going to clothe himself because that was the only way to rescue us. Uh, secondly, another aspect that we need to understand is that Jesus coming to this broken world was the mission. That was the mission. There wasn't like another mission that was going to take place. It wasn't like a mission that failed. No, that was the mission of rescue. That was the only mission that we have because what do we say? Verse four says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent him at that appointed time. Jesus coming to the broken world was that mission. John 1, 1 through 3, we already talked about how he, he was the word. The word was with God in the very beginning. John 1, 14 says the word became flesh and made, made, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. A good illustration of this, how many, how many of you have ever played with Legos? And have you ever gone to Legoland? Yeah, some of you, I, I see this side really is like big onto Legoland. And, 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 and you can create a whole world of Legos, right? I mean, you can create a whole world. Now, imagine the world that we live in and imagine God. Imagine you are creating a, a world and, 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 and it's all plastic, and you create this world, and you're so excited about this world, and you love this world that you've created. You love the people. You love those plastic people, and you love them, and you care for them, and you, you, you help them move around the whole, the whole setup. But see, a good picture of it is Jesus became plastic for us. He not only loved the Lego world, but he came and he says, man, I, I, I love them so much that I, I've got to rest because what had happened is the world, there was an evil, evil, evil uh, being who came and separated us from them. And so then all of a sudden the relationship that was supposed to be there is kind of like awkward, it's weird, it's, it's like feeling empty and broken and, and, and there's brokenness all over and, and, and the, the, the world that you created of Legos was completely crushed and destroyed and and yet you love the Legos. And your heart was broken for those plastic people. And then you said, you know why I love them so much? I'm going to become plastic. I'm going to come in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become plastic because I love this world so much and I love the people thereof so much. I don't love necessarily the physical world so much. I love the people, and there was a way that I created it for, but it's gone rogue. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have done our own. We've gone our own. We've rebelled against God. 
And even though we, those plastic people rebel, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to become plastic. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to save them. I mean, we in our culture, we, we love that. Don't, don't you remember Superman? I mean, Superman comes from out there. And you know what? You think about kryptonite. Kryptonite, you know what kryptonite was, is to Jesus? Sin. Sin is kryptonite to God. So he came and he, what? Took upon himself. He became sin for us so that we could be forgiven. That our sin could be laid upon him. And, and through that process, God forgives us. God the Father, this perfect holy God forgives us. This is exactly what Jesus did. He loved us so much they became human and made his dwelling among us. Why did he do that? I believe we will see. First, we must go to the method. Look at the method. Uh, another aspect that God used a supernatural method to fulfill what he had spoken and promised through the pro his prophets. God used a supernatural method. Now, think about the method he used. Seed of man is carried through the man. So we see that God chooses a virgin. Let's take biology out of it, right? He uses a virgin woman, a young virgin woman named Mary, and he uses it. Born of a woman, it says here in verse 4, born under the law. I mean, think about the, the, the God, because if you were to think about how, do he, how could he do this? And we, you know, through our religions, you, you hear about God, you know, the deity coming. And, but you know what? Never like this to become plastic, to become human. Jesus came, became human for us. And I, I, I don't know about you, but there's one song that I just love the words to this song, and I think it'd be worth just reading them right now. I know it's a song that every time I think about, it blows my mind. It's called Mary, Did You Know? Mary, imagine this young girl, God, the angel of the Lord appears to her and tells her you're going to have a child. Well, how's that to be? How's that gonna be? He says, what, what, did, what, did, what, did G, what did the angel say to her? Uh, he says, the Holy Spirit, Luke, 11, 1, Luke 135 says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. He says, the Holy, what, did, what did he say? The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And, and, and God took that. He, 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 he took Mary. And now here's the words to the song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. 
Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Did you get that? I mean, can you imagine Mary, human plastic, holding this little baby. Now think about that mind-blowing thing that Jesus, God, the creator, the giver of life, is there holding, is, is, is allowing to be held as a little baby boy. Now here's the thing. Jesus was human. Can I tell you, he cried. And for those years, he depended so much, like he grew up like a normal little boy would. He depended on his parents. For, he learned how to work hard. He lived his life. Can I tell you, Jesus went to the bathroom. Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus is this, you know, oh, wow. He was human. He was in flesh. And the same one that Mary held is the same one that one day is going to rule all the nations. He rules right now, but there's a rebellion still on. There are countless people that God is seeking to rescue, that they would hear the amazing story of Christmas, that God, being fully man and fully God, came to this earth to take their place, to give them a clean slate of forgiveness and healing to heal brokenness and pain and listen right now even till the day that we die we will still suffer in this world even though we know the truth even though we've surrendered our life to Christ we still will suffer but there'll come a day well all those things will be married and we'll talk about that next week but here are a few scriptures. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Declaring it. Another, another uh, aspect that we need to understand about this, the, the Jesus coming to this being fully God, fully man. The plan was to pay a price for our freedom through God's personal cost. Verse 5 says, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Listen, we don't use the word redeemed. But a good way to, a good way to I guess right now a good kind of way to look at it is a pawn shop. Listen, what you do is you pawn off something, right? And I'm not saying God pawned us off, but imagine you, you owned it before. It was yours, but somehow through, through problems, difficulties, and sin, and different things, that, that what happened is what? Through sin, we were pawned off to the enemy, not on God's doing. That was never his intention, but deception of sin, and the devil himself, deceiver, the liar, the distorter of truth came and distorted everything and, 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 and tempted them to find life outside of God's perfect plan. And they were led into sin. And now we see that pawning is like you go back and what was yours, you buy back. 
So the word redeem is to buy back something that was truly yours. And so what is, say, what is it saying here in verse 5? That God redeemed those under the law. God redeemed us. And notice it says the law because back then, many people, were, and, and even today, many people today, we think that we can get to God by our own good works. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I hate to tell you that. Some of you haven't been to church forever, even online or anywhere. And you're thinking, man, if I just go to church on Christmas, maybe Easter, I'm good. God, God will know. He'll, he'll accept that. It's not about being accepted by God. You know what it is? It's about a relationship with him. And the only way that you can have a relationship is when you repent from your sin. You're going in one direction. You turn to Jesus and you, you are saved. You are redeemed. You are bought back. Redeem means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Literally, it costs Jesus laying down his life so that we could have life. If you ever struggle with really understanding that, I want you to just look at the cross of Jesus. Look at the, what he suffered. Look at what he went through just so that we could experience a relationship with God where we can dwell with him. Even now, he dwells with us by his Holy Spirit. And the final aspect, he says, verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The reason he did it, this was to bring us into his family permanently and eternally so that we can dwell with him forever. I don't know about you, but we become sons and daughters of the king. And he's rescued us from slavery. Notice he says, you, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. I don't know about you, but that, let that truth rock your world. If you dwell on that. Notice he says also, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic affectionate diminutive for father, used in the intimacy of the family circle. So that was something that was used as a term, an endearment. Abba. Have you heard that we don't use it too much. We don't, you don't call your dad Abba. But man, this is a word of endearment that they use in the Aramaic. Um, in other words, what, what they're saying, you can call God the Father, the creator of all, Daddy. Which means that's an affection. There's a relationship. God just wants us to be part of his family. He calls us to be sons and daughters in his family. There's a place around his table for you and me. Now, I don't know about that. That's quite a crazy thought, too. The fact that, have you ever, sometimes one of the greatest things lies that the enemy puts in is like, you know what, you, you don't have a place at the table. But there's a place at the table for you and me in the house of God. Romans eight sixteen says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's this Holy Spirit that, you know, some of us, we, we struggle with doubting whether God, am I really truly a child of God or not? Listen, we're all children of God in a sense that God created us. We're created in his image. But there's some difference between being, uh, uh, like, created by God and being part, sons and daughters. And that only way is accepting Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That's where we can have eternal life. Verse 7, so you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Notice the progression here. 
No longer a slave, you're God's child. And now he's saying you are also an heir. You know what an heir is? There's an inheritance with an heir. That means we, we have an inheritance that is out of this world. An, an inheritance that never will spoil, never fade. Why? Because of the fact that we are trusting Jesus Christ alone for our life. And like I said before, the, the saddest verses that I think I see in Scripture is this. Verse 10 of, first, of, of John, the Gospel of John is, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, he, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those verses right there are powerful. You might be here today and you say, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God would accept me into his family. I don't know if I could have a relationship with God. I don't know if he wants to dwell with me. But I want to tell you something. You need to recognize him for who he is, that he is from eternity past. He's fully God, fully man. That he, what? You need to recognize that he came and paid the price for your sin, and you need to receive him. Receive what? How do you mean receive him? Receive the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through him. Nobody can be reconciled into his family or brought into his family yet through him. And notice a promise here, yet to all who did receive him. To all who did receive him. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your, your, your status, social status. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. To all who did receive, receive him, what happens? He, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Today, you can be born again of God's spirit. If you would just come to him and say, God, I am separated from you. My sin has separated me, and I, I acknowledge you as a creator of all things. And, oh, God, in your love, you came down to this earth, fully God, fully man, to die on a cross for me. And pay the price for my sin. Listen, there are many cults, I would call cults, that try to minimize and put God as only human. Some people say he was only a prophet. A prophet. But nah, that's not what the scriptures reveal. He's fully God, fully man. Came in a virgin birth. Came with the purpose to come to this plastic world that we live in, broken of brokenness and shame and all the bondage of sin. And he's come to rescue us and bring us into dwelling with him for eternity. This could be your day to be born again of his spirit. Take a moment to pause. Let that verse soak into your heart. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Meditate on the truth and the promise that he has given. Have you received him? Do you recognize that God's perfect rescue plan was not only for those reading this narrative who lived closer to that time, that God led the Apostle John to write this, but it was also meant for us who are hearing this today, 
Do you recognize Jesus as God and Savior? Have you received him and believed in him as the only way to be rescued? I'm sure that some of you have. I'm convinced. I see the fruit in your life. Some of you, I don't know. But you can know today. I want to invite the worship team to come out. But uh, as we close our time, as we close our time, I want, to, I, want to, I want to take a moment to pray. Because Christmas and understanding what true, truly Christmas is all about, it doesn't have to do with lights and with a bunch of other things. It's gifting. It doesn't mean the traditions that we've made at our homes. It has to simply do with Jesus, the Messiah. And that he can change lives as he's done ever since he came to this earth. Even before that, he was always working towards Jesus coming. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And everybody now can look back at that time that Jesus came. And we all say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. So maybe this Christmas will be a Christmas that you celebrate like you've never celebrated before. Because we've been able to see. And I thank God for even this season. Because you know what? It's stripping us away from anything else but Jesus. Stripping us from man-made traditions. Stripping us from our own religion. And we're saying, God, it's all about you, Jesus. And so I'm going to ask us to stand at this time. And I want you to reflect right now. Have you recognized him? And have you received him? as your Lord and Savior.